0: The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Mark Amtower of Amtower and Company, which is entirely responsible for its content.
1: This is Amtower Off Center, sponsored by General Dynamics Information Technology. Every week, author, speaker, consultant Mark Amtower gives you his take on what's going on in the world of government contracting. Amtower Off Center with your host Mark Amtower. Welcome to Amtower Off Center on federalnewsradio.com at 1500 AM. I'm Mark Amtower. My guest today is somebody that I met virtually, uh, how long ago, Carla? Uh, two years ago. Two years ago now. Carla Bass. Uh, she, at that point, had recently uh, left a career at the United States Air Force, retired mm-hmm. as a colonel, uh, and has since gone on to other activities, which I will let her explain. Carla Bass.
0: Well, uh, thank you, though. Yes, I did uh, 30 years active duty with Air Force Intelligence and loved every second of it. Uh, took a, a year off and then wrote a book uh, and then went back to work for the government in a job that I still very much adore.
1: Okay, so can you tell us anything about what you're doing now in the government?
0: Well, sure. I work with the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, and, uh, and I, I work um, supporting the supply chain, trying to protect the nation's supply chains.
1: Um, you probably know some of my friends over at Logistics Management then.
0: Probably. Yeah, the thing I, I most enjoy about the, the, write, the work is the, is the writing. I do a lot of writing, uh, you know, uh, things that go to Congress and in documents for the White House.
1: Um, I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> Carla does writing. <laughs> uh, am I'm I'm shocked because uh Carla and I got in touch when she started to write Right to Influence, which is uh has been out for a while now. Right to Influence, uh it's, Amazon.
0: It's it's a year. It it yeah. celebrated. Actually I actually had a birthday cake for it and it's not a book, it's a baby. So there we had go. it it's it's its first <laughs> birthday party was on three January twenty eighteen. And yes, it's available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble's on All online. The usual exactly. Yep.
1: Yeah. But I mean, you know this. L- 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 let me back up a second. I have a number of books on writings. One of my uh, my best business friends is Bob Bly, who has written over a hundred books on business writing. Uh, some of his are standards in school. Uh, Robert W. Bly. Uh, Anne Hanley is a friend of mine. Uh, right, to influ- or, uh, no, no, right to influence? Or no, no. Your right to influence. Content rules. Mm-hmm and uh, she wrote another one i can't everybody She's very talented yep yeah yeah i call her a word artist mm-hmm. she strings together some really neat sentences but they're they're talking about what to write the difference here is you're talking about how how to, write. to
0: tell the story yeah and my my major mantra on all of this it actually i've got two two battle cries i call them the first is that Powerful writing changes lives. This is almost why I get up in the morning because – <laughs> uh,
1: exactly,
0: Exactly. It, it, it changes lives. And I, I further explain that where you could be the most talented individual, the most qualified person for the job or the competitive opportunity, hands down, no question. But if – if the dude sitting next to you is better at telling a story, writes a stronger resume, or puts forward a more strong job description, or or whatever, you lose.
1: Point. So, yeah. Um, and you know, you you told me uh, in one of our early conversations, which goes back two years, that you had seen. Uh, endorsements for uh, junior officers going for more senior positions and when their commanding officers wrote their recommendations, the recommendations really didn't do a good job of selling them regardless of what the commanding officer thought.
0: In, in one of the uh, the many workshops that I teach I used an example this was the the opening bullet for a senior airman's um, evaluation that I was supposed to endorse as the commander. The line read Plus three, minus three on DLPT, which meant nothing to me. And this is one of my people. And, and to me, that absolutely encapsulated the concept of don't write in gibberish. When I, when I had somebody explain to me the significance of those couple words, it meant that the individual had just scored a, a, a 95% on reading and listening in the Chinese Defense Language Proficiency test. And that put her in the top 95 percentile of, of of the competition there. That's a big deal. Yeah. And the fact that that amazing accomplishment was almost lost because a supervisor wrote it in Air Force lingo that only linguists would <coughs> understand was a tragedy.
1: Yeah, that's a uh, great. Example, but um, let's let's uh, let's dive into. You sent me an email, or I was on a distribution list for an email of yours where you talked about doing this uh, lecture at Bradley, and you got this question from uh, one of the uh, attendees. Um, so uh, the 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 greatest challenge uh, in professional communications. What tips could you offer? So. Um,
0: well, the the first one is is prepare your boss, and and that's something that most people don't think about. It's putting yourself in the boss's position. So, if if that individual is attending a meeting, uh, you you provide the uh, the material to support that. The position papers, you you capture the talking points that the, you recommend the boss make. You capture talking points or issues that other people are going to ra- raise. You basically. Uh, Prepare the boss, provide bios and so forth, just background information. Um, The other thing that people really struggle with is the necessity to think on their feet. So if you're given five minutes with either your boss or someone senior, you need to understand or think and have prepared in advance what is it that you want to communicate to them. Um, instead, you know, don't, don't just kind of stand there and flounder. What do you want to say? And then you have to be able to prioritize those points. Uh, for example, if, if you're giving a briefing, you've got a, a full-up presentation, and the individual has to abort it 10 minutes into it, can you take the remaining 20 minutes' worth of points and give it to him in about three minutes? You have to be able to uh, understand, prioritize, and present quickly. That's the thinking on your feet.
1: Okay. But, you know, thinking on your feet also goes back to uh, point number one, that prep. Mm -hmm. So you're prepping yourself instead of.
0: Well, and and that's something else that folks, these are like staff officer skills. And these are also kind of uh, waning in today's uh, business environment. If you Mm -hmm. are going into a meeting, it, it behooves yourself to be able to know with whom are you are you going to be meeting, what are their backgrounds, what's their expertise, what are their their prejudices, what are their goals, objectives, agendas. So you set the context for yourself and that way you empower yourself to be more productive in that particular form dealing with those very specific individuals as opposed to going in blind and winging it.
1: Okay, next point.
0: Email. This is a, this is a huge problem nowadays. First of all, People tend not to read email. They will, they will skim the darn things. And so you could ask questions. Uh, say you ask three questions, but if you don't actually enumerate them, question, dear, dear reader, I have three questions. Put this in. I have three questions. Question one and number it. Question two and number it. Question three and number it. That way you help ensure that your point is, is grasped by the recipient. So,
1: likely to be answered <laughs> well
0: exactly so the, the two points one is if you are if you are on the receiving end of an email slow your world down take a breath and actually read it it's an intended communication do the author the the um the, the courtesy of actually reading what he's communicating um uh, quite often because people skim it then they'll they'll miss the information they will send back to the original author uh, questions and and that forces the author to reiterate information that they'd already sent the first time which you know people would have caught it if they'd slowed down and read the correspondence
1: yeah but the flip side of that is when you're sending an email make sure you're very precise in what you're trying to ask or communicate.
0: Well exactly. And so in in the book I've got an example of uh the, the example basically is is the individual in a very lengthy paragraph says, thank you for coming to the conference, blah, 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 blah. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention a really important point. Please take this action. So that was the horse before the cart and a very bureaucratic way of presenting the point, and nobody was going to read through all the blah, blah, blah to get to the main point. So what the individual ought to have done was flipped it. Dear everybody, I forgot to mention this. Please take this action, and oh, by the way, thank you for attending the conference. Yeah. So really it's would. all a matter of packaging. And, and going back to my first point, you you identify what information do you have to convey up front And then ancillary information follows.
1: Cool. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on federalnewsradio.com. What website can they find you at?
0: Dbass.com.
1: Okay. Carla D. Bass, all one word. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Uh, So now you know how to reach Carla. So we shall return right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Uh, I'm here today with Carla Bass, Um, CarlaDBass.com. The book is Right to Influence, um, and and we're discussing some things that she goes into in depth in the book. The other thing that differentiates this from a lot of the books on writing – uh, that I have in my library is that it goes through a variety of uh, exercises that you should do uh, to improve your own writing. And and I do believe I'm going, if, if you're in my class this summer at George Washington University, this is going to be adjunct reading. So uh, pay attention, get it early. Um, <clears throat> so back to your, uh, your Bradley universe and uh, uh university presentation um the next point is what we were just saying so
0: yeah compo- compose a succinct message again think think with empathy would you want to be on the receiving end of of uh of a correspondence that's four paragraphs long very bureaucratic and extremely wordy or would you rather have something delivered to you concisely okay the The next challenge um, that I see in in business communications, bearing in mind that communications are both verbal and written, is giving formal presentations. Now we've all been on the receiving end of PowerPoint briefings where the slides are they're filled with paragraphs of text. Nobody reads that. So that that hurts the speaker, it hurts the audience, and it pretty much uh, nullifies any uh, effectiveness of of delivering the message. So the point there is is write in bullets. The the slides are supposed to be guideposts to help the briefer tell a story. Not the text. Not the text. It's supposed to guide <clears throat> the, the audience to a point. Um, you know, you just don't don't lambast them with too much text on a slide.
1: Yeah, I uh Um, oddly enough the first guest on my show was a gentleman who did research in the federal market and uh, I'd known him for quite some time but I'd never seen him speak and when I saw him speak for the first time he had a PowerPoint deck where there was no white space on the slides and he read each slide completely. The
0: the, the presenter needs to understand what, one, what's the uh, what's the goal? What is it that he hopes to achieve by presenting the information to the audience? What What is the brass ring that he's striving for? The, the second thing is understand what the audience's background is. They may already have some fundamental understanding of, of the information so you can up the sophistication just a little bit. Something else, another egregious thing that we have all experienced in briefings is just because the graphics technology will enable us to build a horrifically complex graphics doesn't mean we ought to do that. In the book, I describe these as Turkish carpets. You're not building a Turkish carpet graphics where you've got so much that it's impossible for the reader, uh, the audience's eye, to to capture the point or even understand what you're trying to convey are uh, are equally useless.
1: Okay, um, your last point is really interesting so explain i I, why.
0: I laugh at this because i could have died so happily without a facebook page without social media and for goodness sake without tweeting but one of the things that that people do now even in the government when you're launching strategic communications campaigns tweeting is now part of that even in government agencies
1: oh yeah Big tweeters,
0: exactly. And so, when you are, and the idea, and I have learned this on my my domestic side with the book, the idea with the tweet, you've got two hundred and eighty spaces, spaces, not letters, not words, spaces. And the objective then is to is to write a hard hitting, powerful, succinct message in those two hundred and eighty spaces. Because why? Because people are so friggin' busy; they're they're very unlikely to hit those little three dots where it says more that Just like they don't read email, they're not going to read past the 280 characters, right. spaces, if you haven't captured them. So you need to learn how to tweet. And I'm surprised I'm not struck by a lightning bolt on, on that one.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, you know, but I mean, it, it's, uh, it has ingrained itself into our ecosphere. And just like LinkedIn, I'm going to be touching on LinkedIn a little more because mm-hmm. – um, If you want to talk about bad writing, I've seen a ton on LinkedIn. Well, you know,
0: it's 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 one it's precision writing where you truly do have to make every single word and every single space count, and and that then parleys into if you're submitting input for your resumes or if you're writing an annual review on some on somebody where space is is. It's physically constrained, mm-hmm. just like in uh, in tweeting. Yep. You really do need to know how to leverage every written word so that you can squeeze the most value out of that finite space.
1: Okay, um, agreed. Um, but I mean, you know, I mean, here here here's my pitch on LinkedIn. The simple act of being on LinkedIn or any social media platform is marketing. Mm-hmm. You're marketing yourself. You're marketing your company. You're representing uh something okay usually something larger than oneself but often you know just yourself so if you're not doing that well then you're missing major opportunities literally on an hourly basis maybe more frequently
0: you're closing the door to opportunity yes one of the other questions posed to me by that uh, that graduate class at bradley university was what did i think about uh, informal emails. My response to that is there is no such thing as informal anything. So whether you're out there on on tweet, on LinkedIn, um, anywhere where you're influencing people, you have got to put your best foot forward. The other the other point I, that I made on the email um, responding in in the context of emails back in the day, if if I sent you an email. Um, and you wanted to forward what I sent to you to somebody else, you would ask my permission. It was courtesy back then. You would come to me and request permission to forward it. That doesn't happen any longer. So no. so anything that you put down in writing, you have to make sure. Th- I mean, it's representing you. It is your reputation. It is your thumbprint. This, this reflects you, and there's no telling where that, that little communication is going to go.
1: Point all right so um this applies virtually to any form of communication and because social media has become so pervasive how destructive can this be to one's career to one's reputation if they do it consistently on a poor basis well
0: at employers are are now, and security clearances too, I think, are now now looking to the social media. So wherever you have a public-facing presence, it needs to be as though you're either going to be reviewed by the Washington Post, or if you were a kid, your mom and dad are going to be looking at what you wrote. It needs to be um, professional. It needs to be accurate. It needs to be upfront. it It needs to reflect how you want to be reflected. Uh, and and if it if it comes off as a um, a freshman in college, either the way it's written or the, the subject matter that you're conveying, it's going to hurt you in the professional world.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard of instances I haven't been through the process, but. Uh, uh, out at Fort Meade, they, there's a fair amount of poly going on before people get to play inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, one of the questions has been occasionally, what did you mean when you tweeted this out four years ago? And there's no prep for that.
0: Oh, no, so. no, no. But but people now, especially, you know, high school, maybe junior high school, high schoolers, they, they need to know now that that people can look back at what they're saying now uh, four years or five years from now, and and they'll have to they'll have to speak to it.
1: Yes, especially our our friends at NSA are quite astute at uh, uh, digging out stuff. So.
0: Well, young people just need to think around the corner. They need to think in terms of their future because they're building their future now.
1: Yeah, and and you know your your uh, the the question you got about informal communications on on social. Well, you know, I mean, I I suppose. Facebook is, you know, more familial, uh, you know, friends sharing, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But you still have to think about how you're presenting. Oh, exactly. So so, um, so let's – let's actually, let's take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'll be back with Carla right after this. Welcome back to Off Center on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 a.m. I'm here today with Carla Bass. You can find Carla at carladbass.com. The book is Right to Influence. You can get it anywhere, uh, uh, all of your online places. Um, I imagine your publisher, like, uh, well, mine got me into bookstores, but usually at about two copies per store.
0: Uh. I'm still online.
1: Yeah. That's what, You're going to sell more online. anyway. Mm-hmm. So, um, let's, let's go back to, uh, you know, uh, how, how you, uh, started the book because that's a process that I talk to people about pretty frequently too. And then how, how we actually hooked up.
0: Sure. The, uh, I'd mentioned, I'd mentioned that my, my battle cries, powerful writing changes lives. I, I came to that realization when I became a squadron commander in Hawaii with the 324th Intelligence Squadron. There were 480 really talented people in that unit. Um, When I arrived, it was the most losing unit on the island in the All Air Force Quarterly and Annual Awards which was very harmful to a career progression. And the thing was they, they weren't losing because they didn't deserve to win. They lost because most of the bosses couldn't write winning nomination packages. So I had I had senior airmen and staff sergeants who were just doing incredible stuff, but because their bosses couldn't tell their stories, they were losing to other units whose bosses could write well. Okay. All right, so that that to me Does
1: that include embellishing?
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, and I, and I was always very careful when I when I eventually no, you, started. Yes, yeah, the other
1: commanders. Maybe. Well, I, I can't.
0: Yeah, I can't speak to that. I can say what what went to the uh, what went to the panels, the, the judges. You know, you got a weak package, you got a strong package, but it didn't reflect the actual accomplishments. So, I I took three days vacation. I hid in a beach ca- uh, cottage and I analyzed my writing because i had already recognized that whatever it is that i'm doing i could write packages that won so so i asked what is it that you do carla how do you write how do you distill this into teaching points and how do you teach others so it was in those three days that i developed the 10 word sculpting techniques which constitute part one of the book and 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 give
1: give, give that phrase uh, definition Word, word
0: sculpting so imagine imagine that you are a sculptor you're an apprentice sculptor you're sitting in a studio you've got an eight foot chunk of marble in front of you hammer and chisel you're ready to go You have in your mind's eye the image that you want to derive from that piece of of marble. So you put a hammer and chisel and you start sculpting out the excess granite or marble and pretty soon the image of Venus de Milo or whatever you want emerges. You have brought forth the image from that chunk of marble. That's sculpting. Word sculpting is when you have the idea, you've got the story, you've got the the essence of what you want to convey to a reader, you do what I say a gut dump. You put it on paper, just get it on paper. That then constitutes your block of marble. And then using these 10 word sculpting tools, you go through sentence by sentence and you chisel, you tighten, you get rid of the excess verbiage. And all of a sudden, the storyline becomes more condensed, more powerful, more potent, and you also um, uh, save space. You've earned back more valuable space in which you can tell more of your powerful story. That's word sculpting. So I developed a 14 or 15 page handbook coming out of that, that three-day sequester, and, uh, and turned that into a one-hour workshop. I taught my 480 guys how to write, and one of the, the proudest days in my life is when we, our little unit, swept all of the awards. We took all of them because they had learned how to write. Then all of the other units on Hawaii came and asked if I could teach them also. So I did. And then I ended up teaching this for the next 15 years to thousands of people, wherever I went with whatever assignments I had, word sculpting and that little workshop went with me. Um, And what really brings the goosebumps is only a couple of months ago, I received an email and it said it, he said, Dear Colonel Bass, you probably don't remember me. I was one of your senior airmen back in Hawaii. I kept that little handbook for 18 years. I got into officer training school. I just retired as an Air Force officer after 20 years, and I'm now the vice president of a defense corporation because you taught me how to write. That is why I'm doing what I'm doing. That yeah. is why this is a battle cry. It, it changes lives.
1: If if you write well and get it out there, mm-hmm. uh, you will get kudos like that
0: mm-hmm.
1: more frequently than not.
0: Now, the other thing that that people don't think about is is writing as it equates to leadership. This this is another battle cry. When when you ask people, name five leadership characteristics or qualities we all know instinctively what that is it's honesty integrity taking care of people the, the usual things nobody is ever going to say the ability to write well
1: or communicate yep
0: and the thing about that is if you can't write well you can't take care of your people going back to the 324 story if you can't submit your folks or your unit uh, for for the awards and win them then you have harmed career progression. You've hurt the people. You've hurt their families because uh, promotion equals paychecks, equals the ability to send kids to college. And it all comes back to the ability to write well.
1: Do you know John Keegan by any chance? Is that name ring a I, I know the name. Okay, so you know who he mm-hmm. is. He's a, a military instructor at Sandhurst who's written just some marvelous books over the years. When he's writing about commanders, especially when he's writing about somebody like Wellington about whom uh, a number of his subordinates wrote extremely precise commands mm-hmm. in the midst of battle you know he's riding around scoping things out on near n- not on the front line but near the front line so he can orchestrate but his orders were so precise that people were writing about them 20 years later mm-hmm. great book
0: Precision. I'm not a sports person, but I had to laugh. Uh, I was listening to, uh, I forget where I was, but listening to some uh, talking heads. The issue was the definition of the word catch in the context of football. There was some controversial play, and, and the question was, did this individual catch, was it a real catch? And and one of the commentators had mentioned that that they were going to have to uh, to rewrite that part of the regulation because it wasn't clear they were going to have to rewrite with precision and clarity the definition of the word catch. So I had to laugh at that. Yep, there's there's right to influence, precision, clarity, and it it even just defines football terms.
1: You know, it, it applies everywhere, um, and it, it it's you know. Um, I I wish it applied to government forms, (laughs) so...
0: You know, one other thing, the uh, the second battle cry I'd mentioned, too. Writing like this is definitely, I mean, it's obviously important for leadership and taking care of people. It's also the lifeblood of effective organizations, because if you don't have a staff that can write, one, it affects the marketing, two, you can't put forth a a good strategic plan, you can't lobby to defend the resources you have, you can't put forward a, a... of good valid and successful attempt at increasing your budget no matter what the justification is if you can't convey that justification you're you're dead in the water also so it's equally effective for uh, for businesses
1: okay cool i'm going to take a break early and we'll have a long last segment because there's several things that I do want to go over, and they're sort of interrelated. So you're listening to Amtower Off Center on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Carla and I will return right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here with Carla Bass. Her book is Right to Influence, um, and it's, it's 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 it can help Anybody, I write every day, and every time I pick this book up, I tab something, I put in my little posted flags, and I highlight. So I learn something every time I pick it up. So it, it it's it's an excellent resource, uh, and if you communicate in any way, which means if you're still breathing, <laughs> uh, you should probably get this. So um, let's talk about a, a couple of things here. First, tips for writing. Uh, the The writing that you do every day, so you want the, the email, you know in-house memos, whatever
0: well if if you have a, a set of of writing requirements if if you do the blogs or or there are things that you actually have to do, it's it's a monkey on your back and so I'm always a proponent of of get the business out of the way first and then you can breathe. Um, so you gotta have your have your morning breakfast and then just take care of this and you're done. But I always have a list of gotta do's. So the 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 things that I have to take care of, the people I have to contact, the the messages that I want to deliver, I, I have a list and I just tick them off. Um, to do this, I often have to find my right my right environment. That's right with an R I G H T environment. Um, for, for informal communications like email and and social media and so forth, I like noise. I like the TV or music or something, but if I'm seriously composing, if I'm developing a new workshop or, or, or writing an article, I need silence so I can, I can concentrate.
1: Okay. So, um, the concentration part, but uh, well, we'll get into a couple of other tips on this, um, how do you come up with ideas to write about? I mean, are you a a creative writer? Uh, you, you have a lot of things at work that you have to work on that are pretty much, I guess, selected for you?
0: Well, uh, no, well, uh, me the two questions there. So for, for me, <clears throat> I, I call inspiration is what I'm, is how I respond to this. Inspiration for me is ubiquitous. it's it's everywhere. Um, so I, I just I'm open mentally and spiritually, and and I listen. So, for example, sound bites or fleeting phrases. I, I will catch something like that. I heard uh, a, about a, a minute interview with Oprah, and she'd mentioned the word heart, heart songs, heart songs, encouraging young people, to, in other words, dreams, encouraging young people to find their heart songs and follow them. That resonated, so I've incorporated that concept. Uh, a friend of mine in, in a, a social media post had, had mentioned that his son had just joined the military. He was following his dream. Following his dream, those three words in that one one line post uh, gave way to uh, an entire new article that I published, um, and that was uh, coincidental with holidays and, and commemorative events or other inspirations that I take. Now that "Follow Your Dream" thought uh, was around the Fourth of July. Um, and so the, the birth of our, our country, my grandfather came from Norway, so we spin into the immigrant situation. My grandfather followed his dream. He came. My my mother was a, a radio show host, newspaper columnist, famed artist, couturier, seamstress. She had many dreams and followed those and oh then encouraged <laughs> me from my earliest days. Carla, set your stars high and mm-hmm. go get them. So that one Follow Three words in my friend's post on social media, I mean, inspiration. Um, other, other inspirations are, are life events or experiences. For example, this webinar that I taught to Bradley University, I went back through those questions, and, and there was so much more material there that I could <coughs> repurpose and apply to, um, to other articles as well. So, uh, pets. You can even you can even uh, get inspiration from your goldfish. Persistence, perseverance. You know, around and round and round circles. There's inspiration everywhere.
1: Okay, I, I agree. You know, and that's I, I keep a hard copy notebook with me everywhere I go, and you know, it could be in the middle of mass. It could be while I'm driving. If it's while I'm driving, I can't make notes but I try to remember until I'm at a stoplight or I p- have a chance to pull over somewhere. Mm-hmm. But ideas occur to me you know, when I'm going to sleep. That's my least favorite. I have to wake up and write it down because I know I, it's not going to be I with do. I morning. do
0: the same thing, paper and pen by, <clears> by the bed. Yep. Other people's writings also. There is an article in the Washington Post, why can't college graduates write good prose? Because well, they don't
1: read. Because
0: they're not taught. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, you, you you can pick up tips from reading good stuff.
0: Mm-hmm, exactly. So,
1: and the more you read, the better you'll get at it. Yep. The more you read, the better ideas you'll get too. So, um, tips for staying focused on your topic.
0: Uh, well, the, this is for nonfiction authors. So, so, my my response is for nonfiction is. First, first of all, you develop the message. What is the takeaway in, in a paragraph? What is the message that you want the, the audience to receive? Mm. And then, then I recommend a general <coughs> outline, kind of a roadmap, point mm. A to point B. Once you get the general, the general outline, then you can fill it in with the substantiating data. And as far as uh, making sure that your storyline doesn't stray is, is periodically check what you've written against that skeleton the outline that you've made and uh, check it paragraph by paragraph and then sentence by sentence. If a sentence within a paragraph doesn't support the concept of that paragraph, revise it or eject it. And then the same thing for the, for the paragraphs you each word you write, each sentence, each paragraph has to continue the forward momentum of your communication to that desired thesis.
1: Yep. Yep. And, um, uh, Finally one one that we uh really share a passion for and that's the concept of not simply proofreading, but <clears throat> just just take it from there.
0: Sure. The the tenth and final word sculpting tool, and I put ten I put it as as the last one, save the best for last, so to speak, is proofing. And I, I tell I tell students that you could absolutely sculpt with precision. You can apply all nine of the tools. But if the final product is flawed, if it has misspellings, mispunctuations, uh, if it's not packaged correctly, you've lost the reader. At, it's, it's gone. It's game over. And all of your hard work, all your brilliant thoughts, they're, they're gone because they're not going to be received, assimilated, appreciated, and ultimately used. Now, proofing, there's there's two aspects to this. There's the technical proofing to which I was just referring. If it's not like the spoonful of sugar, it has to go smooth as silk with no snags, no distractions. The the more thorough type of proofing, and this is where the second set of eyes and, and the gentleman that helped me out tremendously was Bob Warrington, a very noted author in his own right. Um, but you need to you need someone to actually read it. And say, does the information flow logically? Uh, is it understandable? Is there gibberish? Is there a bureaucratic was was? Is it effective? Um, is it the appropriate length? Too long? Too short? Can you condense it? Uh, does it connect with the audience, um, with their understanding uh, in in terminology that they understand in the format?
1: Okay, and. <clears throat> For me, um, that second set of eyes is is incredibly important. I always know what I want to say, and I'm assuming, as many do when I'm writing, that I'm doing just that. Mm-hmm. So uh, my my I, I write every day. Uh, I'm not always as precise as I need to be. So that second set of eyes can do things, you know, it it brings a perspective that you can't bring.
0: It it does, but you you also you also need to be open to the the criticism that that second set of eyes will offer, uh, you know, open with your defenses down. So if they say, "I'm sorry, but this part of the baby is ugly," you have to be willing to accept that and grateful for that news, and then adjust as necessary.
1: Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, so let's 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 uh, get. Some some basic thoughts here for people to proceed. Um, we all write one way or another, even if it's an email or let's, uh, let's, let's go even more mundane. Mm-hmm. You see a post on a social media site, a comment or a, a, an article and a comment on a, a group in LinkedIn, and you want to say something. Um, how much time effort do you put into that um, what 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 advice could you give to to somebody to to be you know quick and get their point across
0: um, correctness in in punctuation and spelling precision um, know what you want to say don't be bureaucratic about it um, don't Here's a biggie. Don't write as you speak. And that's what, in the, in the book, I've got uh, 10 most common errors in, um, in business writing. If I ever come up with a second edition of this, mm-hmm. number one is going to be people write as they speak and they don't go back and edit it. One, one, one example, and this is how not to do it. We need to get people up to speed on the new rules. Well, you, you don't get people up to speed. You educate them. About or you inform them on, but you don't get them up to speed as expressed in a formal communication.
1: Okay. Uh, I, I probably shouldn't tell you this, but uh, uh, first book, Government Marketing Best Practices, uh, and Selling to the Government were both recorded mm-hmm. by me uh, from uh, uh, basically uh, Government Marketing Best Practices was uh, uh Recorded and transcribed uh, from a seminar I did. Okay, uh, selling to the government. I, I PowerPointed the entire book, and then I recorded it with Dragon. Oh, so, ah, good. I, I did that precisely so I would come across in a conversational tone.
0: And there, there's a difference between conversational tone, which you know, right to influence is very conversational, mm-hmm. as opposed to a formal. Uh, official memo. That's what I was referring to okay. earlier. In a formal mm-hmm. official memo, a memorandum of understanding, uh, an executive correspondence. That's where you don't write as you speak, okay. and and that's where people are are. Um, they're not practicing that. And and the other one is is proofing. Um, you know, here's here's another example. This office is structured to perform three basic functions: colon, administer and manager assigned programs period <laughs> all right it's, uh, stuff like that I just it, it's nails on a blackboard for so many reasons that simple example and and yet that's that's not atypical and that's a double negative but proof what you're putting out regardless as if it's LinkedIn or in the office
1: do you ever watch the news programs that have the scrolling things across the bottom uh, I do And then scream I do because they can't right (laughs)
0: they they can't and i think maybe our our marketing and and campaign you advertising just general daily products they 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 have so uh, they've emasculated the english language and people unfortunately have assimilated that
1: yeah uh sad but true so any final thoughts
0: um, it's it's all about it's all about taking care of people or about taking care of yourself. The final tap off the final page in that handbook that I wrote so many lifetimes ago was every person deserves a boss who can write. Period. That's not always the case. Period. Learn how to write well yourself. And the point there is almost. Everybody, military, civilian, private, public, everybody's boss will come to them and say, it's time for me to write your annual appraisal. Give me some inputs. If you know how to write this way, then you can take care of yourself. You provide sculpted, hard-hitting, (coughs) fact-based data on what you did using the strategies in the book. And almost with certainty, the boss will cut and copy and stick that right in your appraisal so he or she may not be able to write but if you can take care of yourself you're a, a huge step ahead
1: there you go the book is right to influence the author is carla d bass it's carla and thank you very much for coming in
0: thank you my pleasure
1: this is not my day job if you need help uh, i'm i don't write for you i do aim <coughs> you at uh i can't aim you to people who will write for you if you don't do it well. So I know a lot of ghosters. But I do advise people on all aspects of marketing to the government and especially on leveraging LinkedIn. If you want to talk about that, drop me a line at mark at federaldirect.net. And thank you very much for listening to Amtower Off-Center. You've been listening to Amtower Off-Center, sponsored by General Dynamics Information Technology. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear the entire show or any of our weekly programs anytime at federalnewsradio.com. tower Off-Center, only on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com.